begin by making a clear statement out of a heart and spirit here. Uh, Bishop Jakes changed my life. He has impacted me like few others in my journey, in my trajectory. So I have nothing but the utmost love and respect. Can you help me honor Bishop T.D. Jakes here this afternoon? My love and my honor and my respect. I come from Sacramento, California, and recently certain things took place in Sacramento, and we were, my, my bride of 28 years is with me here on the left-hand side. And we pastor a multi-ethnic church in, in Sacramento. It's called New Season, and it's about 40% African-American, 40% white, 20% Latino, and confused. And so we're, we thought, and, and we were really braggadocious, not me, but if you heard anything about Sacramento, Sacramento was featured in USA Today as the most ethnically diverse city in America uh, about some five, seven years ago. And then the pastoral body of Sacramento, man, we gather every, is it two or three months? Every three months, we gather about 350, 400 pastors, black, white, yellow, brown. And we were, there's a book being written about the unity in Sacramento and how everybody gets along in the churches. It's like this, this beautiful model. And then all of a sudden, something happened. Disruption. Disruption leads to division. Division leads to destruction. And destruction leads to nothing less than darkness. Disruption, division, Destruction, darkness. What are these elements? What do these constructs represent? They represent the rubric of chaos, anarchy, and hell itself. And yet the antidote to darkness is nothing less than light. From Genesis chapter 1 to this very day in every single circumstance, without failure around the world and throughout the universe, every single time, Light stands next to darkness. Light always wins. Light always wins. So it's not a coincidence. What we would in California would say, it's not a coincidence. At the first time the universe hears the words of God, God's voice, it wasn't to say, let there be joy, peace, or even love. The voice of God first uttered the following, Genesis 1-3, let there be Because God always begins by turning the lights on. Life requires light. Faith requires light. And to a great degree, metaphorically and prophetically, we live in a Genesis 1-2 moment in America. And darkness prevailed upon the face of the deep. We do live in dark times. And some argue that we live in the darkest hour, darkened by sin and immorality, by moral relativism, spiritual apathy, cultural decadence, infanticide, racism, Pornography, poverty, violence, false prophets, watered-down preaching, hypocrisy, unbridled consumerism, voyeurism, materialism, terror, discord, bigotry, division, strife, injustice, hatred, jealousy, and unbelief. We live in dark times. But here it is, and you can accuse me of being Pollyannish or optimistic, but I prophetically believe that we will not be defined by the darkness of a spiritual Genesis 1-2 we will be defined by the redemptive power of Genesis 1-3, let there be light. Which means what? I believe that there is an awakening coming where we come together to turn on the light. The light's about to turn on. 
And in the midst of darkness comes a prophetic truth revealed by Jesus, Matthew chapter 5. You all know this. You, you, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So when Bishop gave me this assignment, how do we soar as a nation? How do we overcome our differences? How do we actually embrace our cultural diversity and once again help this nation soar? I want to share with you in brief minutes here, soaring as a nation requires us to be light. For when light stands next to darkness, light always wins. Look at your neighbor, the one you like. <laughs> and tell that neighbor, that light is about to turn on. <laughs> tell your other neighbor, the one you tolerate. <laughs> tell that neighbor, that light is about to turn on. Tell the neighbor behind you, the one you've been ignoring all time. Tell that neighbor, that light is about to turn on. We will not permit our children and our children's children to live in darkness. We're about to turn on the light in this nation in the name of Jesus. What does this require? To soar as a nation, be light by who you are. What does it mean? In other, in other, for us to create space, to create some bandwidth, some cultural, spiritual bandwidth for those that don't look like us, that don't believe what we believe, we must understand who we are first. This Verse, this narrative from Matthew 5, 14 through 16, if we do biblical exeget, piece by piece, in its chronological order, it begins with identity clarification. You are the light of the world. So it begins, we can't respect the other if we don't respect ourselves. So, the, and it's the thing, the issue of bigotry or intolerance or suffering from cultural myopia, people always, yeah, these people are full of evil and, and, and they're full of so, están llenos de tantas cosas en la vida. Yeah, I get that. Pero el problema realmente es, the problem is that they don't know who they are. We don't know who we are. And, and so who are we? It is the quintessential queering stemming from the existential womb. Who are we? Who are you? We, we can't be light. And we can't make room for the other until we discover who we really are. Intolerance, ideological, racial, political, and cultural myopia takes place not because we don't understand the other, but primarily because we don't understand who we are. We have an issue of self-identity. And we place descriptors and nomenclatures regarding others because we lack clarity on who we are. So who are we? Who are you? What defines you? You are the light of the world. What defines you? Are you defined by your past? Are you defined by your circumstances? Are you defined by what people say about you? Here's the great news from what took place on the cross. Jesus defines you. You're not defined by what surrounds you. You're defined by God's spirit inside of you. You're not defined by your circumstance. You're defined by his covenant. You're not defined by the hell you're going through. You're defined by the heaven you're going to. You're not defined by your failures. You're defined by his forgiveness. And for all my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram brothers and sisters, hermanos y hermanas, you're not defined by the likes of many. You're defined by the love of one.
And for all the religious folk, you're not even defined by what you do for God. You're defined by what God already did for you. The cross, the empty tomb, the upper room, his blood, his word. You're defined by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're defined by Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So for this nation to soar, we must know who we are. And there is strife, and there is discord, and there is racism, and there is bigotry. And don't tell me there isn't. Yes, there is. These things do exist. We can't deny them. But we must, we must learn to appreciate the differences. And not just cultural differences. We must learn to respect ideological and philosophical and political differences. My problem is not that the world is divided. My problem is that the church is divided. The problem in America is not darkness. The problem in America is that the devil's be, the devil's always going to be the devil. Why would we should, why should we be surprised? El diablo siempre es el diablo. Why should we be surprised that the devil is the devil? I can't believe things are getting darker because that's what darkness does. The problem in America is not the world. It's a look. It's a church that's divided that needs to come together and shine the light of Christ in this broken world. So we must know who we are. Who are we? Because that's the problem. Who, who are we? Are we just another institution in society? Are we another religious faith narrative competing in the marketplace of ideas? Are we a feel-good apparatus for the spiritually impaired? Are we an antiquated conduit for a set of archaic values no longer applicable in the world of Facebook, iPad, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube? Who are we? How we respond, how we respond will determine whether or not even this generation in America, light will overcome darkness. Who are we? Who are we? ¿Quién somos nosotros? We, we must respond with clarity, conviction, and courage the following. Oh, la sangre de Cristo, Padre. Who are we? Oh, there's an attempt to define us, to marginalize us, to silence us, to make us irrelevant. Who are we? We, we are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill. We are people of the word. We are salt and light. We are prophetic and not pathetic. We are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We are disciples, witnesses, and Christ followers. We are children of the cross, fruit of the empty tomb, and product of the upper room. We are the redeemer of the Lord, the sheep of his pasture. We are forgiven, free, and favored, called, and chosen. We are warriors and worshipers. We are the righteousness of God. We are world changers, and we are history makers. And let me tell you what we are not. We are not Google. We are not Microsoft. We're not Ford. We're definitely not Starbucks. We are not a sports franchise. We're not a political party. We're not CNN. We're not Fox News. We're not MSNBC. And we're not even Univision. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not, will not, cannot prevail against us. We are the church. We are the bride. Matthew 16, 18, we are the light of the world. We need to know who we are to soar as a nation and address the differences and embrace diversity. It behooves us to understand who we are. What does this mean? It means that you are not first and foremost black, white, yellow, or brown, Hispanic, charismatic, or automatic. 
<laughs> we are above all born again, blood washed, spirit empowered, Bible believing, devil rebuking, demon binding. Children of the living God. If that's you, give God a shout like you're a child of God. Give God some praise like you're a child of God. Shout like you believe it. Praise like you believe it. Worship like you believe it. Rejoice like you believe it because that is who you are. And because, and because what had happened was because... Because I'm a child of God, I recognize that every single human being in and out of the womb, without exception, carries the image of God. The Imago Dei, the image of God lives in all human beings. The black and the white, the rich and the poor, the born and the unborn, the conservative and the liberal, the citizen and the immigrant. Our challenge is to see the image of God in the suffering, the marginalized, the oppressed and the hurting. It's to see the image of God in every single human being, including with those with whom we disagree. We're never going to solve this unless I respect the fact that even though I disagree with this person, that person carries the image of God. The only way to soar as a nation is to be light by always remembering that God doesn't call the perfect, he calls the willing. He doesn't call the one that has it all, he calls upon those that are willing to surrender it all. Because every single time light stands next to darkness, light always Wins. Are there any questions? <laughs> to soar as a nation, we must remove the obstacles. Let me get right in order. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and hide it. We must remove the obstacles. Our challenge is to remove the bowl of apathy, complacency, acquiescence, and fear, and once again lay claim to the stand of righteousness so that we may shine before all men. And we cannot be light until we embrace the following. We cannot heal this broken nation and push back the darkness of hate and intolerance until we understand the following. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. I'll say that one more time for the hearing impaired in section four. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. There is no such thing as comfortable Christianity. You are what you tolerate. And truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political culture or sexual expediency. And by the way, someone will push back and say, well, why do we care to soar as a nation? It doesn't matter. Why do we care to bring the church together and address the differences and make room for diversity? It doesn't really matter. Jesus is coming soon, so darkness is going to be darkness. These are the last days. The devil's going to wait. God's like all this, Antichrist, bam, boom, wham, boom, bam, bam, bam. We're leaving, we're leaving, we're leaving, we're leaving. Listen, praise the Lord. God bless your dispensationalism and your eschatology. But while, while, while many are waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. So what is the name? What is trying to hide the light? What is the name of the bowl? It's a spiritual battle. It's spiritual. It's not primarily political or economic or cultural. The battle is primarily spiritual with ramifications in all spheres and segments of society. We're seeing the ripple effect 
of a spiritual battle. It is spiritual. Ephesians 6, 12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And then go, let me digress here. Turn on, turn on, any moment. CNN, Fox, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, TBS, Univision y Telemundo. You got to say it like that. Telemundo. <laughs> <laughs> Turn on, and you will see we live in, there's a spiritual battle taking place. And, and uh, some years back, we had a, 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 a reconciliation service here from this very stage. I shared for a few minutes on, and they sang a new song. And I mentioned the list of spirits that were apparent. I'm going to give you a list of new spirits because, Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Things have changed. The spirit of Jezebel is alive. Señor la reprenda, diabla mala. Still lives prompting men and women who carry a mantle to hide in the cave of discouragement, fear, anxiety, and confusion. In America, the spirit of Absalom still lives. Dividing communities and neighborhoods, dividing homes and churches, dividing this nation. Absalom, that spirit is alive and well and we cannot deny it. The spirit of Goliath still lives, mocking and intimidating the children of God. The spirit of Nebuchadnezzar still lives, demanding that a generation that still carries favor, even in the midst of a Babylonian captivity, bow to the lies of a false narrative that negates grace, truth, and love. The spirit of Herod still lives, killing the young in the womb and in the streets, murdering precious dreams and visions. Yet I have news for you. There is a spirit more powerful than all these spirits combined. We must rise up and turn on the light and declare, don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. Push back, push back, push back. We, not, we need to live it out and walk it through relationship, through loving one another. Even with those we disagree with, we need to love them. But what about if they're bigoted and, and they're full of hate? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who's one of my iconic heroes. I named my organization after him. Bernice King is part of my board and one of my closest friends. I, I'm, I'm, I'm called, I'm called to, to what he believed in. He said, even to those who hate you. Those that, that, that they just they can't tolerate you. The way you get them back, love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. What does that mean? It means that the most powerful spirit alive today don't drink the Kool-Aid. It's not the spirit of Jezebel. It's not the spirit of Absalom. It's not the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar. It's not the spirit of Herod. The most powerful spirit still alive today is still the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. The spirit of light, the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, the spirit of mercy. Oh. And where that spirit is power, where that spirit is present, there is power. Acts 1-8, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3-17. Uh, so, so don't drink the Kool-Aid. I said it before, I'll say it again. But, but, but it doesn't look, new things are emerging that we never fought before. What's going to happen? Doesn't matter. For every Pharaoh that rises up, there must be a Moses. And for every Goliath, there will be a David. 
And for every Nebuchadnezzar, there will be a Daniel. For every Jezebel, there will be an Elijah. For every Herod, there must be a Jesus. And for every devil that dares to rise up against you, there is a mightier God that will rise up for you and silence that devil down. So it's time to remove the bow. It's time to shake off whatever life or hell plays upon your life. Always remembering that what you can't shake off, Jesus washes off. It's time to push back on cultural, political, and ideological myopia. It's time to start stop suffering from tunnel vision and make room. Again, it doesn't mean we tolerate injustice and bigotry. No, we confront it with truth and love and grace. We confront it under the anointing. We and silence is not an option. It's not an option. Silence is complacency. Silence is acquiescence. Silence is collaboration. But man, we must do it with love. And it comes via the conduit of a multi-ethnic kingdom culture firewall of righteousness and justice. The tapestry of God's beautiful mosaic. The church, the ecclesia. That's why even when we treat the others, we, we have to be careful because they're fallen and they're broken. We were once fallen and broken. <laughs> Always remembering that you're not here because you perfectly held on to God. You're here because God perfectly held on to you. You're here because what God placed inside of you is greater than anything hell can place in front of you. You're here not because your faith is so efficient. You're here because his grace is always sufficient. And you're here because you learn that when life throws you rocks, you build an altar. 1 John 2, 8, I am writing you a new command is truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Isaiah 60, verse 1, arise and shine. For your light has come and the glory of God has risen upon you. For when light stands next to darkness, light always wins. To store as a nation, be light by where you stand. This is critical. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. The stand represents the facilitative platform on which we shine the light of Christ. And the question must be asked, where do we stand? We stand on the unshakable and on the unabashed, the undeniable reality that Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. We stand on John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We stand on the conviction that a conversation filled with truth and delivered with love can lead to a revelation filled with repentance and delivered with grace. We stand on righteousness and justice. Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. And we stand on a cross, and I wrote a book about this called The Lamb's Agenda, Changed my life, but we stand on a cross that is both vertical and horizontal. We need to, we need to start breaking the cross up. We have vertical people when we have horizontal people in the church. And in Sacramento, we say the church. And so it, to a great degree in the 20th century, America stood divided. And the political ramifications of the strife in America, primarily via the conduit of the church, comes from a dichotomy, de facto and de jure. In the 20th century, the American church stood divided primarily between the followers of Billy Graham and the followers of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Till this day, we are experiencing the political aftermath and the political implications, even via the conduit of the church, because of that dichotomy. 
like if the cross were one or the other. We stand on a cross that is both vertical and horizontal. It is both this, this generation, estoy profetizando ahora, I'm prophesying to you. Esta generación va a reconciliar lo vertical y lo horizontal. What does that mean? Our generation will reconcile the vertical and the horizontal. I'm, I'm going to say that one more time. This will give the devil a migraine. This is going to put the devil on, Z on Zoloft and Xanax because we're about to reconcile the cross. The cross is both vertical and horizontal. It is heaven and earth, righteousness and justice, sanctification and service, holiness and humility, truth and love, conviction and compassion, the prophetic and the practical, missions and the marketplace, orthodoxy and orthopraxy. It's covenant and community, ethos and pathos, John 3.16 and Matthew 25, it is both Billy Graham and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It is the New Jerusalem and Dallas, Texas. So it's time to stop breaking the cross to create. It's time to stop creating a dichotomy between the vertical and the horizontal. This generation will reconcile Billy Graham's message of salvation through Christ alone with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s March for Justice. The message and the march are coming together. I'm going to say it one more time. The message and the march are coming together. The message and the march are coming together. From California to New York, the message and the march are coming together. The message and the march are coming together. Together. And we will sing both just as I am and we shall overcome one day. And we stand at the nexus. We stand from the strongest part of the cross, el medio, where the vertical and the horizontal intersect. That's the strongest part. That's where we reconcile the optics of redemption with the metrics of reconciliation. The fishes and the bread. That's where we embrace True biblical Christ-honoring diversity where we understand our differences. And even with those we disagree, we create a level, a bandwidth of respect because they carry the image of God. And we don't tolerate bigotry or injustice. No. But we respect the image of God. And we speak truth with love. But silence is not an option. Oh, boy. What does this mean, Pastor Samuel? It means the next time our children go to school and they stand up for the pledge... Remind them where they stand. It's the stand. We, we are light and our stand is Christ. So when, when they go up and they say, I pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice and all, they, they need to be, they really contextualize that. And, and when they talk about one nation, not many nations, but one nation. But like a wonderful tapestry that's composed of many diverse ethnicities, ideologies, and expressions, we understand the flag doesn't have one color. It has different colors, yet it's still one flag. Are you with me right now? And each color has value and significance. And it's one nation under God. Somebody say under God. Not over God, but under God. Not next to God, but under God. So it's God over man and man over government. With liberty and justice, not just for the rich and wealthy, but not just for those that can afford a good lawyer, but not just for those that come with a certain zip code, but 
with liberty and justice for the black and the white, the rich and the poor, those from the barrio and those from Beverly Hills, those with a GED and those with a PhD, for the, for the, for the 47-year-old white woman in Omaha, Nebraska, and for the 18-year-old African-American male from Sacramento, California. It's justice for all. Because while politics may divide, as the Holy Spirit will unite us. And when we are light, and my primary descriptor is that light. I need you to, I'm about to wrap up on the land. Are there any questions? I'm about to land this. It's what we do. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus changed the world because of who he was, what he said, and what he did. His character, his rhetoric, and his actions. Ephesians 5.8, you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. We glow when we live out, James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. 1 John 4.18, perfect love expels all fear. We shine when we understand that Christianity is less about promoting the perfect and more about blessing the broken. We illuminate our surroundings when we embrace the truth that Christianity stands measured not by the level of rhetorical eloquence, but rather by the constant of loving actions. We magnify the light when we realize that a divided church will never heal a broken nation. And this is going to be a little bit edgy and controversial, but here it is. may not be invited back, but la sangre, olvídate, vamos para allá. We are nothing less than radiant when we understand that the only agenda that can save America is not the agenda of the donkey or the elephant. I'm going to say that one more time. We need to stop being obsessed with donkeys and elephants. Pastor Sam, what does that represent? The donkey is the mascot of the Democrats. The elephant is the mascot of the Republicans. And man, when we become more obsessed with the donkey and the elephant than we are with the lamb and the lion of the tribe of Judah, then I'm not going to worship the donkey, and I'm not going to worship the elephant, and the donkey is not going to dictate or define my life, and the elephant is not going to tell me what I believe. The only one I'm going to bow to and worship is the lamb that is on the throne, who is likewise the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's time for the church to rise up and say, the only agenda that can save America is not the agenda of the donkey or the agenda of the elephant. The only agenda that can transform America is the agenda of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. If you worship the Lamb and worship the Lion more than you could ever, 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 ever submit to the donkey or the elephant, give God the best shout you've given him all day today in this way. It's time. It's time to lift up the Lamb and lift up the Lion. Lift up the lamb and lift up the lion. Lift up the lamb, 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 lift up the lion. I'm done. Really done right now. Uh, understanding that Uncle Sam may be our uncle, but he will never be your heavenly father. He's just an uncle. 
Don't give your uncle full control of your life. He's not your father. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. 1 Corinthians 4.20. So I'm done. I'm done. Are there any questions? I'm done. Let me hand it in here. All right. To soar as a nation, our actions, reactions, and interactions should conform to the following prophetic outline. It takes conviction to repent, courage to speak truth, holiness to see God, faith to move mountains, and love to change the world. The bright, do your Google due diligence. The brightest light in all of the universe is the convergence of all the colors of the spectrum. I kid you not. Google it. Don't take my word for it. I wrote a book on it called Be Light. The brightest light in all of the universe is when all the colors of the spectrum, all of them come together. Y'all didn't hear that. Cuando todos los colores when all the colors come together Pastor Sam what's the answer to the problem in America when the black church and the white church and the Latino church and the Asian church come together we're going to push back darkness like it's never been pushed back before are you ready to shine First Samuel 3.3, 3, the lamp of God has not gone out yet. It's time to make this nation soar. It's time to make it soar. So be light and walk like Enoch. Be light and believe like Abraham. Be light and dress like Joseph. Be light and stretch like Moses. Be light and shout like Joshua. Be light and dance like David. Be light and fight like Gideon. Be light and intervene like Esther. Be light and lean like Deborah. Be light and pray like Daniel. Build like Nehemiah. Preach like Peter. Serve like Stephen. Be light and live like Jesus. Be light and change America and make it soar. Because when light stands next to darkness, light always wins. God bless you.